Welcome to another episode of the Ignited Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm Jessica, your host, and I invite you to join in and listen to a conversation with an amazing entrepreneur who has leaned into their passion and is igniting their life and the life of others. Welcome to another episode of Ignited Entrepreneurs. Today I have Chet W. Sisk. He's a futurist. So I am very excited to have him on today because we're going to go somewhere that a lot of people are talking about, but not everybody wants to really have a deep conversation about. So today I have Chet and he's going to talk with us about some ideas that are actually going to help us move forward in our lives, considering the last couple of years. And he's got some information that he's going to share with us that I think are going to be unique. So Chet, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jessica. I appreciate being here. And I appreciate the fact that, yes, I got COVID a couple of years ago, and I, I'm living to tell of the story. And, I, and so I'm really glad to be here. I really am. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's interesting that you say that it's like we were talking before we started about mm -hmm. perspective. So just you now saying that I'm really glad to be here. Yes. That lands much harder mm -hmm. after the fact that you've survived COVID, right? Absolutely. And I, I think as we were talking about earlier, it, what it does is that if you don't have a bone of empathy in your life, it will graft one into you because you, it helps you to empathize with, you know, just challenge. I know a lot of people haven't necessarily faced like really crazy life-threatening kinds of stuff. A lot of people have, but there is something that you do with that moment that can make you become something greater. I, I know you've heard this phrase before. Someone says, that which doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Well, I, I would say this, there's an asterisk there because that which doesn't kill you can kill you and make you weaker. It depends on what you do with that moment. So what COVID did for me is that it made me appreciate life even more and not that I wasn't appreciative before, but it really allowed me to kind of drill down on the whole aspect of my relationships. I had just gotten married. Uh, I reached out to my siblings. We reinvigorated our relationships, reached out to my sons, all of these things. So what you do with that moment will determine what it will be. Not It doesn't automatically make you stronger. That's just not true. I've seen people who caught hell under a certain circumstance and they died under it. So it, it, it you know, I know they say if it, it, it'll make you stronger almost automatically by default, if it doesn't kill you, but that's just not true. You have to make a decision about what that experience is going to be. And that's what I did with COVID. I decided to make it a decision about how can I reinvigorate all of my relationships and worked. Mm. Beautiful. Yeah. And I love what you said. Like it is a choice. Yeah. Right. The, the situation happened, but now yeah. how you show up, how you react, how you bounce back, what you do with that new information, yep. that's the key. That's the key. Right. Yeah. Because it, it has to become an actionable item. Right. It, it, it doesn't do it by itself. You have to intend what you're going to do with that moment. That's 
That's absolutely key. I, I, I just sometimes I hate those little meme philo philosophical <laughs> moments because they're so they're reckless in, in many ways. I mean, there's some great ones out there. Don't get me wrong. But in many ways, they're just a little reckless because it's it says these nice little phrases and it makes the world very black and white. And the truth is that the world is very gray. It's very nuanced. So we have to um, kind of develop a, a nuanced position in it so that we can flow with it better as opposed to say, no, if it's like this, because the meme said this, so it should be like that. <laughs> and that's just, uh, it's just, it's like, what, the, what do they call it? Dime store philosophy? Life is just much more nuanced than that. And, and our job is to develop the nuance in ourselves so that we can be, so we can handle that level of capacity as opposed to looking for these little drop phrases. I, yeah, I, that drives me crazy. I have to tell you, that's one of those things that just drives me crazy to hear people throw these quotes out from something that they read on Facebook. And then you go, okay, well, good luck with that, you know. So, <laughs> and are you adopting that in your life or are you just spewing it for people, right? <laughs> yeah, right. thank you. I think, well, you know, and let me offer, let me walk that back just a, just a little bit. Um, you know, people want to be able to make things manageable and, and, and simplify them because the world seems, and I say seems, very unmanageable, very broad, it's too big. So a meme can make it really nice and neat. And then it's it's easier to digest, it's easier to share with others, it's easier to remember, it's easier to guide your life by. But I, I would rather that people develop a, a more nuanced approach to about, about who they are in the world, as opposed to embrace a meme. Because that is the reality of the world. It's just bigger and broader and has all these wrinkles. Uh, developing a, an ability to adapt to that now that, that's key. You, you know what, oh, Jessica, absolutely. somebody's going to take something that I said, and they're going to make it a meme and put it on Facebook. So, <laughs> Hey, you know what? Meme yeah. me away. I'm totally cool with that. I would feel like I made it if somebody memed me. <laughs> mm, I might do that. Oh, there you go. Challenge right. accepted. Challenge right? accepted. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so before we get too far down this rabbit hole that I really want to go down with you, mm. can you please share first to, you know, who you are, introduce yourself to the audience, and how did you become a futurist? Yeah, yeah. Thank you for allowing me to share that because when people ask, okay, to become a futurist, do you go to futurist school? Do you read tarot? Do you look into your crystal ball? And um, honestly, the my version of futurism is that I'm a glorified journalist. I went to school, the uh, School of Journalism at Southern Illinois University in Carbondale here in the States. And uh, basically I use the same tools, uh, the same tools. Um, there are five basic, four basic tools that we use in journalism if you wanna discover something, right? First of all, you gotta go to the source, ask questions about what's happening and decide whether or not you want to follow that story. B, you want to um, talk to the people, the tip of the spear, the folks on the ground, feet on the ground, right? You want to follow the money because that usually tells the truth of the story. 
Don't let people throw the propaganda at you. Just follow the money. And then you want to also look for historical comparisons. Are there any things out there that compare to this particular story or moment or whatever you're doing your research on? And then let me add the fifth one. The fifth one is you got to use your intuitive self. You have to ask questions like, what does this feel like? When have I seen this before? And what, is it, what, what does my gut say about this? So you add all of those things together, and then you can kind of make a prediction about where a story is going, going where, where a development goes. And that's, that's what I do. That's what a futurist does. And instead of doing it inside of a 24 to 48 hour window, like a, like a journalist does, because I was a television and radio news reporter, and we had that window because that's how long the story would last in our news cycle. Now, as a futurist, I follow it over months, years, decades, sometimes generations in order to get a context on what that particular development means and could mean for you and I. So it's the same thing. It's a glorified journalist. That's, that's what a futurist is, is in my context. Who am I in relationship to this story? Am I just a casual observer from afar? Or, or, or this development? I say stories, but it's like a development. And then you have to ask your position in relationship to it. Am I just somebody just kind of sitting on the sidelines, checking it out from afar? Or do I want to dig in deeper to see what it's going to mean to me and my, my community, my people, and then everyone else? And then there's another place where you become an advocate. And a lot of that occurred after I, I was a business, uh, uh, and I was in advertising, actually, after I got out of the news business. And I had an advertising agency for about nine years, and we did quite well. And we did a lot of works almost exclusively for newspapers to help them promote what was in their paper that day. And so uh, we, had, we had some success with it. It was great. Uh, but the technology caught up with us and, and we had to do something else. And the one thing I noticed about that experience was that the technology had caught up with us so fast that I was taken, I was taken aback and taken by surprise and next thing you know, uh, we were out of business because everybody could do what we could do because the technology was moving faster than I thought. So it was that moment that made me realize that we were living in a different time where technology would move so fast that we didn't get it, that the usual business model where you had, you know, you develop a product and you, they call it the success model, you develop the product, you have this period in time where you can enjoy it and then you could you know tweak it around the edges and continue to enjoy it into retirement that that model doesn't exist anymore now you seriously have to develop at the moment of the inception of the original idea so you have to develop something else um in in behind it and that uh, it's, I was stunned by it, quite frankly. And so it made me dig deeper into this level of change that was happening. It, it occurred at the expense of my, new, of my uh, advertising agency, but it really made me dig deeper about how quickly change was happening and how people were affected because I was affected uh, by what it did to me. I figured that other people are being affected too. 
And so it just one thing led to another. And I just started writing about change and transformation and started realizing, oh, I'm a futurist. I'm actually forecasting what's happening because of the fact that I'm spending time looking at what's happening in real time and right in front of me. So I was just started writing about it. I, I have about six books out there, all based around Ooh. personal and corporate transformation, change and transformation, how change has an effect and how we how we hold change. Because there are a lot of things that we just, uh, we look at change as the enemy. We immediately see it as enemy. And that's not, I mean, the strangest thing about that is that we hold change as enemy, not because of the fact that it's not a natural part of life, but because the culture has seen it as enemy because it, 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 the culture seeks to maintain status quo, right? But you, you're not the same person you were when you were 10, are you, Jessica? I'm not the same person I was five days ago. There you go, that. So change is a natural part of our human experience, but somehow we've allowed the culture to convince us that it is enemy. And so my job is to try to bridge that gap to make us get to the, this place of saying, no, change and transformation. Well, change is the natural course of things. Transformation is when we make a decision about what that transformation is going to be, be for us. So that's when I started writing about understanding the difference between the two and how do we start to intend it? How do we ride these waves? Uh, what do these waves mean? Uh, how are they going to uh, change life as we know it? All of those things. So that's how I got to be a futurist. Just one thing kept leading to another. I love those kind of stories when you just sort of follow this path that's kind of being laid out for you step by step, right? Uh, yeah. So long as you are listening, like you, you, you mentioned change, that some people view change as the enemy. And obviously, instantly, my, my thought went to, oh, that's like denial, people that are not willing to see what's really going on. So like when you were talking about how your, your agency um, ended up falling apart because of the massive changes that were coming right. there's the companies that were in denial and weren't able to do those pivots and those shifts mm -hmm. because they just know that's not going to happen and and so this is what i think so many of us get trapped in is this yep. like you say the change is the enemy they they're not open to it they're not welcoming it they're not showing up curious they're not paying attention they're yeah. not listening right yeah I, i'm a i'm a cautionary tale uh, we basically, we didn't pivot fast enough because we were following an old model that, you know, uh, they, they can't catch up with us. But yes, they can because the technology is different. And, and, and that was, geez, that was 15 years ago. So now I imagine how things have sped up even more. So we have to adjust not only from a business, business perspective, but really from a personal perspective, this level of change. Now, here's the here is truly a cautionary tale. I've, I've read this wonderful report by a couple of Harvard psychologists. And one of the things that they are concerned about, and I'm concerned about because you're seeing it definitely here in the States, people are, are fracturing because we're not used to this level of change, this level of uncertainty, I should say. Let me make sure I make that clear. We're not used to it. Now, understand this. On, on an evolutionary scale, we, you know, we basically had the, every once in a while, the saber-toothed tiger would come out and 
scare the hell out of us and we'd beat that back. But pretty much life was pretty predictable uh, for hundreds of thousands of years. Life was fairly predictable. We are living in a time of uh, levels of unpredictability humankind has never seen before. And I would submit to you what's happening in the States and in different parts of the world, this level of violence and implosion really is because of the fact that we've never been here before. We, we haven't developed the evolutionary time frame to deal with this much uncertainty all happening at the same time. So we're in a different kind of place. And I think we need to be aware of that because I, I don't, I think that there are a lot of people out there saying, well, I should be able to ride this wave and I should be able to navigate this. But it really becomes important for you to give yourself, um, you know, give yourself some love because this is a, an, an unusual time, an unusual time all the way around because we've never been here before collectively. So it is bringing out elements in us that we may not have even expected some of the aggression the pandemics have brought the you know the fear factor in, in into our households uh where we have to lock down so it's not like we can escape it when we're being told to lock down it, it is right in front of us now we're like oh my gosh so it's being brought home on a daily basis and then top that off with climate crisis uh top it off with some of the economic pressures. Uh, all of those things are all happening at the same time. This level of uncertainty is new territory for uh, the human species, especially for Western cultures, for sure. Yeah. So one of the things that when we were talking um, before, you talk about something called a non-defined enemy. And yeah. I feel like what you were just saying really ties into that right it's like i don't even know what to worry about anymore because there's just yeah. so many things it's yes. all the things like it's almost like we have to prioritize what we're most afraid of in the moment mm. right so that, can you talk more about what you mean about there being a non-defined enemy yes i i feel very strongly about this because i think that it becomes really important for us to be able to articulate what we're fearful about because i think in it, particularly here in the States, there's this thing called rugged individualism, right? You don't talk about the, the fears, you don't talk about your problems, you just buck up and, you know, strap up and get the job done, blah, blah, blah. That's, that's mythology. It, it's, it's crazy mythology because it's, it's pathological too. It, it's not the way to manage a crisis. The most important thing about a crisis is to be able to name it. This is what I'm afraid of. When it becomes undefined, non-descriptive, it just exists in the ether, it's anywhere and everywhere. And then there's no like, there's no escaping it, right? Because it's everywhere. You haven't named it. You haven't put it in its, in its category to be able to say, this is what I'm afraid of, or this is my fear. This is the thing that is challenging me. Once you put it into its rightful place, you can manage it a, a heck of a lot better than it being this everywhere kind of just mist in the air. That's what drives people crazy was when they're not able to, to, to manage it well. So being able to define it first, to be able to say it out loud, especially if you're in a group, excuse me, I feel very strongly about this, about developing these groups where you can get together and say, 
this is what I'm afraid of, so that there's a witness to you saying it. Because a lot of times we'll say, I'll say it to myself, and then it kind of slips through the cracks, and we never really do it. But when there's a witness and maybe an accountability partner where you say, listen, I want to name my fears, and then they're able to hold that space that is being able to acknowledge it with you and hold it in confidence, if, if that's what you'd like, and be able to walk with you through that, it's much easier to manage than, than this anywhere and everywhere ghost that haunts us. So I, I, I feel very strongly about that, being able to be clear and have conversations about this particular fear, not to give it all kinds of energy, but just to make sure that you, A, acknowledge it, that it's real, you're having the experience, and then pair it with, what can I do with this? Because once you name it, it becomes easier to name also the solutions, the things that you can do about it. But when it's not named, there are no solutions because you don't even know what it is. So that's, that's really important, especially in this particular time. And I think that there's a lot of, um, uh, I keep saying here in the States, uh, I, I see some reflection of that certainly in Canada as well, but here in the States, it's, it's, it's like it's in the air and it, it just becomes a thing as opposed to something specific, like this is what we can do with that. Yeah. What's coming up for me and is, you know, I think we struggle when we feel out of control. Yeah. Right. Is when, when, when you, you have, like you say, there's this sort of this mist of fear. Yeah. So first of all, you're not naming it. You're not giving it a title. You're not um, identifying like what, even if it's more than one, that like clearly there's more than one right now. So yeah. even if you yeah. were to kind of yeah. name what, what those things are, yeah. but then like you said, it's like, now what can I do about it? Yes. And I think that's the problem is we're not, in, I don't know about you guys, but in our case, it's like, it's, it's not denial, but it's just like, everybody just go home. We're going to shut everything down yeah. and we're going to ride this thing out. And mm. yet people are feeling like, well, I don't agree with that, but we don't have a say. We don't get to have an opinion. It's not a mm. democracy. It's being forced on us. Mm. So there's this level of we're completely out of control. We can't make decisions for ourselves. And I think mm that creates a whole different level of fear and animosity and resentment. And it just starts to build on itself. Are you seeing that as well? Absolutely. I, I, what I'm really concerned about is this, that I think what we've done in this society is take away people's or reduce people's cognitive ability for agency. So, so we, we don't, we don't promote the whole aspect of agency. We promote other people kind of doing it. And I'm being fairly broad here, but it's about if, if, if me and my neighbors all got together and said, okay, listen, we know that there's a supply chain challenge that occurs from time to time. So let's get together and do a community garden and use it as a backup in case the supply chain thing affects our food supply. And then people would go, yay, but here's the problem with that. I, you, my neighbors would look at me like I'm crazy because the idea <laughs> of agency, of doing something about that is not something that's fostered with us. So that's why we feel out of control because the society hasn't, hasn't really developed that kind of, um, let's get together and do this. If we do get together and do something, it's out of anger. It's that uh, the grievance cult is what I call it 
where all we want to do is talk about our grievances and tell people how angry we are, as opposed to solution creating. But the solution creating is preceded by agency, where we see ourselves as an active part of creating the solution for the situation. And I'm not quite sure how we got to this point where we don't feel that we have the ability to do anything, where we can't even communicate with our neighbors about you know, putting together a community garden. I'm not quite sure where that came from, but I do know it is a major factor in affecting in our fear because we we're waiting for someone else to come in and fix it. And then when they let us down, then we go into grievance cult and then just get mad as opposed to get, taking that same group of people that you're doing the grievance cult thing with and developing a community garden. It's, 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 I love it. it's crazy, but it's, it's one of those things that, you know, you sit there and you watch and you say, why don't we do something else with that energy? Like maybe creating a way forward, but that's yes, not where we are. So I would love your opinion on why you think that is like, you know, there's the old cliche of it takes a village to raise a child and, you know, all these things. And definitely in non-Western cultures, mm -hmm. there really is a much deeper sense of community. Whereas here it's like you against me, look what I have and you can't yeah. have any of it. And I disagree with you. So I'm just going to shut my door and pretend you don't exist, or I'm going to get in your face and I'm going to try to force my opinions on you. Like, so any suggestions on like how we get beyond this, this grievance culture, I think you called it yeah. and into that. Like, can we just sit and talk about this? Can we, can we think about what a single thing that we can do that actually moves us forward and gets us out of this just anger and negativity and stuckness? Yeah, that's a great question. And I, I'll say for me, when I, when I do my deep dive, one thing becomes very clear that if you, if you create a foundation based around what's called rugged individualism, as I talked about before, every man for himself, and I do mean every man for himself, and you get yours, I get mine, then that level of materialism, that becomes a, a foundation. It's really, really hard to kind of create a collective kind of how can we do this together? Because now in, in that foundation, that philosophical foundation, and I don't want to get too philosophical about it, but <laughs> in, in the philosophical foundation, if you believe that everybody is out here for themselves, you're less inclined to develop community because that, that is not, you know, that's not your, what your philosophy is. Your philosophy is I'll get it done by myself. I don't need anybody. So it's, it's not that it can't be done. It's just that it's less likely because of the fact that again, the philosophy, if you, you share with me, anybody, any person's philosophy, if they come up to me and say, this is my philosophy, I can guarantee tell you, exactly what they do for a living and what what political party they belong to how they you know all of those things because it's the filter in which they look at the rest of the world in so what i've suggested in my latest book um, uh, about building new uh, new foundations new really uh, just a new society is that you really start to focus on reimagining your philosophical base. I believe in something called Ubuntu, 
the whole idea that we are all connected, all things and everyone is connected. Now, what that does is that it lays the foundation for a new kind of economy, something, a class I took at, from Cambridge University called the circular economy, where it's much more efficient, much more effective uh, than the top-down command and control model that we've been guiding ourselves through. And that's that's philosophical basis based around, again, uh, the command and control is based around every man for himself, rugged individualism. What we're seeing are the limits of that kind of philosophical construct for society. It doesn't work out well. Proof of, proof of concept, of course, is climate crisis. When you pollute your house, when you burn your own house down, it means that whatever philosophy that you built that house on is not very good. It probably doesn't work very well. But if you build a philosophy that says that everybody can live in this place and we have to develop it for everybody, and we have to ask questions based on that filter, it's different. The, the, your entire approach is different. Uh, the way that you look at other human beings is different. The way that you look at the planet is different. The way that you look at economies is different. All of those things start to change. So I think that the challenge that we're facing is that we're, we're slaves to an old philosophy that didn't work very well. And that's the every man for himself philosophy. It didn't work and, and we're seeing the results of that. And it, it's, it's sad to see it kind of crumble under the weight where people are still trying to say, yeah, it's okay. But here we are in climate crisis. And I wanna emphasize this. We, are, we basically are burning down the house and we're trying to reshuffle the deck chairs on the Titanic and say, it's all good. So we, that means that whatever that philosophy that got us to this point is not good. I think it was Einstein, and I'm paraphrasing just a little bit. He says, the mind that got you here will not be the mind that will get you out. Yeah, you know, I think the one thing out of all of this that disappoints me the most is like, seriously, people, we just had a global pandemic. Yeah. And you would think that if nothing else, this would bring us together yeah. and, and, and have us see that we actually need each other to be yeah. able to move forward. And instead, I feel like it's done the opposite. It's actually created a deeper wedge. I don't know. How do you feel? That's just, that's what sits with me. That's, that's what, yeah. you know, it's in my heart when I think about what we're going through more than anything mm -hmm. is that this one thing that had the potential to actually create something good has actually made it worse. Yeah. I, and, and again, to me, what it did, it did was that it exposed the, the, the challenges inside of a foundation built upon every man for himself. I think that it just, you can't get around that. I, I, I'm an advocate of something called feminine principle leadership. And it goes like this. The idea is that you can create leadership in governments and economies and businesses by asking three basic questions or doing three basic things. One, tell the truth. That usually helps because you have to have trust in order for a society to establish itself. Once the trust is gone, all hell breaks loose, right? Uh, be kind to others. Uh, that's always key because once the kindness is gone, uh, then people start talking about civil war as they're doing here in the States. And then the other thing is share your stuff. 
remember the things that I don't know about you, but my mother would say those things all the time. You know, be kind to others. You know, share your stuff. Blah blah blah. And and then it was something that was imprinted in us because our mother knew our mothers knew that that was the way to be able to be more effective in the world. Well, we grew up, and all of a sudden, we became selfish. We started lying, and 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 all of a sudden, we're now we're seeing the results of not listening to what our mother said to us when we were children. And how she knew intuitively that that was the most important thing. Those were the most important things you could do, not only to get along, but to survive and be successful in the world. Something inside of our society weeded all of that out and said, "Nah, you don't need that. You just it, you need to do something else." And that's to me the reason why I think we hear, we hearken, we hear the voice that still small voice of our mothers. In the back of our heads, but the incentive to be selfish and to lie and to do all of these other things is so strong because it's been pounded into our heads for so such a long time. We think of it as a truth. So I, again, I don't get too philosophical, but I think that that that's the challenge that we face: is that we have to reimagine who we are, and mostly because of the fact that I believe. Every time I look at the feminine principle leadership model of leadership, it's more robust, it's more agile, it's more flexible, and it's more empowering. And we need all of those things now in this particular time of change. We don't need less of it; we need more of it. So mm -hmm. that's why I'm thinking that we need to do a rethink, and I, and you know we have to do it in short order, unfortunately. But there has to be leaders that kind of leverage those things to create new kinds of economies that do reflect those things that our mother, our mothers used to tell us. You know, it's it's kind of making me think of, and it's a cliche, and it's one of those memes type things. But they say that um, when somebody um, ends up with a lot of money, mm -hmm. what it does is it actually exaggerates that person's already natural um, personality. Right. And yeah. so I feel like that's what this pandemic has done, unfortunately, is it's almost exaggerated the state that we were in prior to it. Yeah, I think you just nailed it. That what you know, what is it that, that they say that a, a, another meme here <laughs> that a crisis <laughs> doesn't <laughs> a crisis doesn't build character, it just reveals it. This is who there we you are. Go. Yep. Yeah, this is yeah. who we are. And we, the better or worse, this is who we are, who we've been building up to. The crisis just pulled the curtains back and said, ah, and then put up a mirror to say, this is you. So, mm -hmm. but that's not necessary. Here's the thing. That's not a bad thing. I mean, maybe it's like an intervention. Like the planet is like, here's an intervention. So we finally get a chance to quit hiding behind our madness and, and, and then fess up and say, you know what, I'm an alcoholic and I need, I need the help. That's the first step. What's the old phrase? Uh, the first step to solving a problem is admitting that you have it. But if we're not even admitting that we have the problem, then it becomes a crisis uh, that cannot be resolved. Because we're not, again, if we're reshuffling the deck chairs on the Titanic, and not even admitting that the ship is sinking, there's there will there will be carnage. 
Um, and I don't mean to be sober about it or, or dour about it, but what I'm really saying is that this is an opportunity for us to rethink who we are because an intervention has been provided courtesy of the pandemics so that we can finally say, you know, whatever we built on up to this point, eh, we could do something else. And because our, we can our do better, we can do better than this. We can do better. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, there are yeah. a lot of great ideas out there. Really, really good stuff that we just kind of push to the side because we want to hold on to our alcoholism in the middle of our drunken stupor. And that that becomes the great challenge. That's where we are right now. And we have an intervention that's been presented for us. It's a gift if we see it as such. It is a gift, as what I did when my company collapsed. Um, I had to rethink who I was under that at that moment because whatever I was before, it's, it's gone. So I have to like stop and sit down and, and think about what's my next move. And so to me, that's the opportunity that exists for us. And that's really why I'm really pushing forward and getting out there is because I want to make sure that we give, we give a lot of air to the doom and gloom. We just do. It's part of our reptilian brain. You know, we get a reward from fear and all of those things. That's why we go to uh, horror movies and roller coasters and such, because we get a little adrenaline rush from it. Right. So fear gets a lot of love. But we also have to give some time to courage, to vision, to empowerment. And those things exist in, in equal measure at the same time right now. It's just that one has a better PR agent. Mm. You know, what I was, start, what was starting to come up for me was, I think what we need is a common goal. If there's yeah. some way that we can take all the di differing opinions, all the different political parties, all the different, you know, filters, as you put it earlier, because we've all had lived different lived experiences, therefore creating all these filters and the way that we choose to view the world. If we can find a way to somehow strip that back just enough that we can agree on a common goal. Can you imagine what yeah. could be accomplished? I tell you, I, I got it, shivers. It, me too. I, I'm getting them from you. Keep sending them over to me. <laughs> so yeah, you know what? Uh, we've always, uh, those of us in journalism, at least, would always kind of pontificate about what Ronald Reagan once said one time. Uh, one time he said, if an alien force came in from, you know, another planet and threatened our lives, I bet you, I, I guarantee you, we would rally around that. We would rally as a global entity around that. However, we shouldn't have to rally around our doom and gloom. We actually are presented with that gift in climate crisis. Climate crisis mm. is an existential threat to our very existence, period. And for some reason, and well, I, I say for some reason, but if you've been entrenched into the idea that those people are others and I'm over here and you've been doing it for a long time, it's hard to see a moment that unites our humanity for the greater good, the possibility of the greater good. It's hard to see that when you're still doing turf wars, when you're still talking about those are others. But climate mm -hmm. crisis actually presents that opportunity. We just, we haven't, you know, climate crisis has pulled out the chair for us to sit down at the table. We just won't sit down.
you know, a friend of mine, she's actually my business partner. We have this saying that she told me about that really kind of um, encompasses a little bit of what you were saying. And we talk about how we get messages and they come at us either as a feather initially, it's just a little tickle. It's like, okay, people, mm-hmm. you got to listen up. It's just a little feather. But if you don't listen to the feather, it sends the brick. And if you don't <laughs> listen to the brick, you get the semi. I like to think that maybe we're only at the brick, right? But, you know, we just keep, (laughs) we just keep piling it on because we're not listening to the feather. And now I, this, this is the brick because I know it can get worse. Like when you start talking about climate change, that that's the freaking semi it's coming, right? Yeah. So, I mean, do we want to wait until that semi is barreling towards us with its high beams on? I don't know. I don't think I do, but like, how do we get people to understand like here locally? So I live um, in, in Vancouver, British Columbia, or just outside of it. And this year has been crazy. We had fires like we've never had before. We had massive flooding, right? Massive flooding Mm -hmm. in our Fraser Valley. We're having crazy ice storms and like, this is not Vancouver weather. Like this is, this is the brick people like pay (laughs) attention. Something is up. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I think I, I I think. (laughs) Oh, just say it. You want to say it. (laughs) (laughs) I go through these, you know, my wife will tell you some days I I wake up with a smile on my face. Other (laughs) other days I wake up going, oh my God. And then sometimes I can't even sleep at night. So I'll say this, that this is what does allow me to sleep at night is that I think I have been in conversation with a few people here in the States and in other parts of the world where, um, and you're not going to see this on CNN or Fox. They are, of course not. Of course. <laughs> they. That's are, why we do this shit. <laughs> they, they, exactly. Thank you. They're listening to this and thank God for you. That's all I could say, Jessica, just keep doing what you're doing. I don't care who says what you just keep doing what you're doing. Just in case somebody says, ah, stop doing that. Don't listen to no. them. This is the no, most I've, important thing that I've listened to enough of that in my life. So okay, damn it, this cool. is my show. I'm cool. doing what I want. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. But there are people, there are organizations that are linking together there and they all have the same general concept. And the, the same general concept is let's create a diverse, inclusive, empowered and and planet loving. I use that word that wasn't the word that they used but it was something like you know we we honor the planet all of these things and they're not like hippies out of college these are grown folks who have left corporate offices and businesses and sat back and said listen if we don't do it it's certainly not going to get done by our political our politicians it's not in the states i can tell you that it's that, it's that is deep. not their objective. <laughs> no, that is not their Finding objective. Finding your pockets is their objective. <laughs> Thank <That's> you. <laughs> exactly. So that's so they there are there are enough people, and I'm I'm talking with them. I'm having these conversations, and they're like, you know what? If we don't do it, it's not going to get done, and we have everything to lose and everything to gain. 
And so I'm seeing that it's on the low and, you know, you like I said, you won't hear about it, but it is happening. So there are enough people who are believing that if we create the infrastructure, the ecosystem that basically reflects the values that most people want, they want a decent uh, quality of life. They want to live a life of dignity. They want their kids to be fed and be able to go to school. They want to be able to share things with their fellow human being. That's what most people want. So these groups are getting together and say, let's agree on the basics and just and pull our resources together to create this web. And um, I'm wondering whether or not I should even share this out loud, but it is happening. <laughs> <laughs> you know, somebody will come in and want to throw a stone and it, but it, it's happening. So it's just that it's just, just not, don't not in say the any names and we're yeah, fine. I won't say any names. Okay. <laughs> no names. Protect, protect the innocent. <laughs> hey, protect the innocent, I guess, because uh, it's, but they, th those people are getting together and, and that is, that's welcome news. And I'm, I'm very happy to report it and uh, to allow them to continue to, con to develop it. I don't know if they'll be able to do it in time to meet the, meet the moment, but I do know that it's happening and they are doing everything they can to create an ecosystem that is, that inclusives and brings us in as opposed to calls us out. So You're there are up. bullies on the play, playground, you know, they're just bullies on the playground. But if the other kids get together and say, you know what, we're going to let the bully do their thing, but we are going to create something that supports uh, the other kids on the playground. And we think we're betting that that will be more successful than the bully trying to, you know, bully people into a corner and make them be his friends and stuff like that. And, 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 they're they're clear about this too, uh, and I'm I'm not speaking for them, but I I did hear this that they're saying if the bully ever gets to the place where they when they go through their intervention and say I was wrong, there's room for them over there too. So it it is something is happening out there, and it's going to be our better angels that will create that, but it won't be under what we're doing right now. Yeah, I believe that. So, okay, so now if people are listening to this and they're mm. like, oh yeah, like I'm, yes, I'm like, how, how do I get involved? How do I, yeah. what can I do? What can I do as a single person, mm. you know, on this planet with whatever resources or lack of resources or lack of knowledge or ignorance to anything, what would be your message to somebody who's like, I want to learn more. I want to get involved. I want to do something. What would you yeah. say to that yeah. person? I'll say this, and this is just what our contribution to this too. So I'm a futurist. So I look at this stuff, but I'm not a dispassionate observer. I'm an advocate. So I believe that if I see something, I should say something, right? So what I did was develop something called uh, the uni Universal Basic Resources. That's our foundation company. I get a chance to go around and, and speak about these things and, and provide hope, quite frankly. And then we provide something called the UBR Masterclass. It's basically a classroom where we talk about all of these things 
So there are people out there that are looking for encouragement and support. And they're like, where, where is this conversation happening? It's happening in the UBR masterclass. It's more like a platform, a forum that allows people who really are looking for hope and possibilities and things to do, tasks they can actually do with their hands, tangible uh, approaches to some of this stuff. And we have, and we're, our big push is to do it in short order to get you in, in the field and connect you with more people around the globe who are having this conversation and just keep spreading that out. So I want to suggest to everyone, go to our website, uh, UBR, uh, Universal Basic Resources, or you could even go and type in chetsisk.com and it'll take you to the place. Check us out. Just go through to the website, see what we're talking about. We have a lot of video and stuff so that you get an idea about all the things that I've been talking about here, but really to talk talk to our, our master teachers too. We cover health and well-being because we're really concerned about that, the anxiety and depression kinds of challenges that have been happening in the states and around the world it's actually an epidemic most people don't know this there's an anxiety and depression epidemic happening in the world bigger than the uh covid uh we talk about um you know health and i say health and well-being but there's a real emphasis about what what kind of foods are we eating how do we carry ourselves we also um do a great deal of discussion around trend analysis. That's what I do. Here are the things that I see coming down the pipe. Here are the things way where you can start to navigate that change period. Here are some suggestions around that because I think people need those suggestions. We talk about the whole aspect of the, the circular economy. We have a circular economy specialist that says, these are the things that we can do that are more effective than what we've done to date. Here's the economic blueprint for how to do that. And then we have um, a wonderful teacher that covers the whole aspect of leadership. The leadership in this particular space, as I mentioned earlier, about feminine principle leadership, it's different. So you cannot like, okay, we'll just dust off some book from the 1990s that talked about leadership and that'll get it done they don't realize that the basic foundation of how the world operates is being transformed. So you can't use those old 1990s books. I know you have a lot of people that you're like, oh, he's my favorite teacher when it comes to leadership. You need to hear what we have to say about that, about the new leadership that needs to emerge. And um, so we, we just cover the waterfront because we know that there are a lot of people out there looking for support and solutions and ideas and camaraderie. And so we just create, we created a platform that opens the door for that. Beautiful. So just join the conversation. Yeah. Yes, please. Uh, it, it, it is, it's a paid platform uh, or not paid platform, but it's a, it's a paid platform, but we let everybody in obviously, so that you can check it out and for free and then figure out whether or not this, this meets your particular needs. But we want you to come in. What we do, by the way, with the people who subscribe to the platform is that we have this other project called, <laughs> you know me, uh, it's called the UBR Climate Strong Initiative. And what we do with the money from the subscriptions to the platform is fund black and brown entrepreneurs who are creating climate adaptive and resilient 
businesses and projects in their communities across the United States. And we certainly would love to get to Canada as well. But we just, we're, we're just sitting back and thinking, how do we get the people who are most affected by climate crisis to be the leaders in creating solutions for their communities wherever they are? So this is that project. So we're like, okay, this is our way of crowdfunding it by making sure that we support the people who are feeling the anxiety of the time and looking for solutions and then helping them to support these other communities. It's all tied together. That's really a circular economy principle is making sure that everything is tied together. Nothing is, is a standalone and it's separate. It's all tied together because we as a species are connected. Okay. We have to end it right there. I could not think of a better way to end this conversation. Mm. So, oh my goodness, Chet, thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing the work that you're doing in the world and how you're you know, using that leadership that you, you guys are, are, are learning and teaching and trying to move us forward even though we still have clearly so much resistance to it. So I, I commend you for the work that I know is in front of you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we have to be brave. We're at that place where we fish or cut bait. And I, I've just yeah. decided to put my line in the water and say, let's do everything we can within the power, with the tools that we have, each of us, with the, each of the tools that we have to at least change the trajectory of where we're going. Beautiful. Oh my goodness. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on my show. I really appreciate it. And just um, really excited to, to have gotten to know you. And I really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing all of this with me tonight. So thank you, Jessica. And God bless you and your show. Just keep doing this stuff. <laughs> just, I'm telling you, you, it's, it's the deal. It's without you and Quite frankly, a voice like mine doesn't get out. So we have to not only love you, but uh, pray for you so that you can continue to do it. (laughs) Thank you. I'll take all that positive energy. You got it. And uh, yeah, I fully intend. This is my contribution: is to be able to provide a platform for people that have a message. So Mm. because, like you said earlier, we can't rely on the the you know the news stations because uh, yeah, yeah, that's just. Yeah, not not ever going to be what you need to hear. So no, unfortunately. Um, I can't remember the last time I watched the news. Like it's probably I'm good. 50. And <laughs> I would say it's probably been over 30 years since I watched the news or good read a newspaper or, you know, it's just um, I, I met a lady when I was mm. very young, like in my early 20s okay. and her husband was ill and had heart problems. And his doctor actually said, stop watching the news. You're going He's to kill so yourself. Right. Oh my gosh. And it's He's correct. Stayed with me forever. So, wow. So here you yeah. go. This is, this <laughs> is the news. This is where you find out what's really going on is when yep. you have these kind of conversations and you're open to connecting with people and, and just spreading the word of good. So thank yeah. you. Yes, my pleasure. Thank you. 